Welcome to the Improv in Practice podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wilson, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on improvised theater with Synergy Theater. You can find Synergy Theater's classes, workshops, performances, and more at synergytheater.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y theater.com. Okay, lights down, curtain up. Hello, improvisers. Get ready to fall in love. Our two guests, Arlene Hutton and Heather Adams, are playwrights and so much more. It's Sarah, by the way, and this is episode four. It is July 11th as I record this, and we recorded this interview May 11th, 2021. We begin with Arlene, who may be best known for her Nibrock trilogy of plays. That's N-I-B-R-O-C for anyone not from Kentucky, and includes Last Train to Nibrock, Sea Rock City, and Gulf View Drive. Then we talk to Heather, who is the founder and director of AU Quills and Capes, a group dedicated to supporting young playwrights at American University. We talk about what it's like to take part in Synergy Theaters and Freestyle Reps Right Away, an event that combines writing, improv, and acting. Playwrights who take part have 45 minutes to write a play with audience suggestions. As the playwrights write away, the audience participates in their own writing exercises guided by Synergy Theaters Ken Adams and Freestyle Reps Laura Livingston. Trust me. You're going to fall for Arlene and Heather, just like I did. Here we go. I've been looking forward to this all day. Anytime I get to talk to writers, especially writers like you two, about writing, I just just get all happy. So Arlene, we're going to start with you. How did you find Right Away with Synergy Theater? Oh, wow. Well, I, um, I go way, way back to even before freestyle repertory when there was theater sports. And I used to watch Ken and Laura and Mike and just all those great people. Back in the early 90s, I would go to all their shows in New York. And that was before I ever thought about being a writer. And so I just fell in love with improv and they were stars to me. I I love them so much. And so I've kind of always followed their careers. And I was really excited that they reached out to me and asked me to be part of Right Away. So is it safe to say you were old friends? Um, peers, colleagues, well, not peers. I mean, I really looked up to them. I took classes with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Ken was doing some things in live theater where the writers would go down to the basement for a while and write and come back up. Ken has always been experimenting with the form in really, really exciting ways. And then um, I, I took their classes and participated in some of their open competitions the Stanislavski Open, uh, and then I became a playwright. And we've kind of reconnected uh, years later. When Ken was describing to you what Right Away was going to be, how did he describe it to you in a way that you were like, oh, yes, I'm there? He said, you have 45 minutes to write a play. And I said, oh, I'm there. You didn't think it was crazy or you didn't have questions? No, no, I would not be a playwright if I had not watch these people do improv all those years ago and get excited and turn on my improv. Because for me, writing a play is like improvising in my head and playing all the characters. This is still the way I write. Um, as an improviser, I, I will just sit down and do what I call a vomit and put everything on the page. And then I rewrite for years. So um, 
no, I, there, there's nothing like a deadline. And when you have 45 minutes, that's a really good deadline. What do you find that does for you to work in that constraint? It's the adrenaline. Yeah. It's a rush. It's dangerous. It's risky. It's, it's exciting. There's not much time for self-auditing. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah, that, you can't listen to that little judge on your shoulder. You don't have time for them. Do you find in right away that the writing comes freer? You know, it's pretty much the way I write anyway. I'm a deadline writer. You know, if I rent a venue in Edinburgh, then I know I'm going to get that play written. It really taps into what turns me on as a writer. And what's exciting to me as a writer is just go for it. Have you described your experience to other writers? I just say how fun it is. Like, it's like, you know, walking on a tightrope or something. It's, it's a thrill. It's a rush. So have you taken any of the ideas that have just come out on the page forward? Yes. The, the first right away I did, I wrote a piece called Lola Lies to Corky, which was based on, um, I asked for a suggestion of some names and I came up with Lola and Corky. And so I wrote a play loosely based on something that actually happened to me where a friend was in the wilds of Patagonia last March with no cell service. When she got back to Santiago, Chile, she uh, got in contact with me and said, our government is telling us that the United States has shut down and shut the airports and Broadway theaters and everything. We don't believe them. Will you tell me if it's true? And I had to say, yes, while you've been in Patagonia for two weeks, the world changed. And so I, I wrote a play loosely based on that. It's about a guy who goes into the woods to write the great American novel for, and he's gone for six months. And as soon as he gets cell service, he calls his girlfriend and says, I'm on my way back. I've written my novel. And she goes, oh, things have changed. And so I wrote a little six page play based on that. And then I had an opportunity to make it into a longer piece, into a full 10 minute play. And Luna Stage did it as a day of short plays. And then right now it's actually streaming on uh, 44th Street Productions. I, actually, I guess it just closed. Tom McGowan was playing uh, Corky in it. So it's been done twice already. Oh, wow. I would love to see it. Is it still available? I think it ended last night at midnight. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sorry. Is it safe to say you love the creative process? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, I'm wondering where that creativity came from. And I did a little bit of reading and I came across an article that mentioned in it that your dad, correct me if I'm wrong, once painted a mule with, <laughs> with stripes. Would you, would you be so kind as to please tell us that story? It's a true story. It ended up in one of my plays. My, my father uh, grew up in a small town in Kentucky and he was always very curious about nature and, and things like that. And he was still in school, I guess. And he was reading about animals in Africa. And he was reading about a zebra, but he didn't see a picture of a zebra. And he, he wanted to know what a zebra would look like. He couldn't imagine what this horse with stripes on it would look like. So there was this old white mule that this man used to drive to the train station to meet the train and he would park the mule in the buckboard behind the hotel. And so my dad one day, knowing that there was a gap of time before the train would come, he went back behind the hotel with a bucket of black paint and he painted stripes, black stripes on the white mule so that he could see what a zebra would look like. So he, he improvised a zebra. He did. He did. Do you think that love of creativity, that wonder 
Do you think it's a little bit genetic? You know, I never thought about it before, but that makes a lot of sense, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what other ways were your parents creative? Well, my mother taught English and literature. And so I was exposed to, to books my whole life. She started taking me to the theater, to the Oslo Theater in Florida when I was about 10 years old. And even before that, she had me memorizing poetry for talent contests. So I was always playing with words. And, and when I was eight years old, I decided I wanted to be an actress. I had three lines in the school play. And I never looked back from that. I got my MFA, my Mighty Fine Actor degree, and uh, then came to New York to be a Mighty Fine Actor, which I was for a lot of years. <laughs> and, and, and then I discovered playwriting and um, never looked back. What are you working on now? I'm working on a piece, a commission for Carthage College, which is about a group of students trapped in a building in the middle of a snowstorm and some other scary stuff. It's a dark and it's a post-pandemic play. This is about people who, who are fearful because they grew up with fear. So these are students that a few years earlier had been through the pandemic and now how they deal with things later. What other themes are you pulling into the piece? Well, it's loosely based on the characters in Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> there's, a, there's a theory in organizational management that any group of people, be it a committee, uh, a department, a family, that all the characters of Winnie the Pooh will be represented. So somebody will always become the mother figure, the Kanga. Somebody will always be the, the bumbling, fumbling Pooh Bear. Somebody will be the, the silly little Roo. It's a tricky piece because I started writing it in fall of 2019 and I was basing it loosely on Decameron, the, the Italian classic. And then the pandemic hit and then everybody started writing plays based on Decameron, which is about a group trying to escape the plague in Florence, Italy. Do you know how it's going to end? Uh, we'll see. It's exciting to write for college students. I, I really love developing my work at colleges and it has to be a big cast. There's a cast of 10. It has to be an ensemble. Several of the characters uh, can be played by men or women. So we'll, we'll see. I'm workshopping it this week for the first time. So we'll see how that goes. If you were to write a role for Heather, who is a very accomplished actor, singer, director, am I missing something? Producer. Uh, what else? Did I say writer? I meant to say writer. <laughs> if you were going to write a role for Heather... What kind of role do you see her in? Well, off the top of my head, having seen a little bit of Heather in right away, I think Heather has a really wide range. So she could play a role where we see her at different times in her life. She can play drama. She can play comedy. So Heather's kind of one of those actors that can play anything, don't you think? Yes. Thank he you. Heather, do you have any questions for Arlene? I would love to read that play you were talking about when you're finished with it. I think that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not a question really, but <laughs> uh, yeah, put me on that list as well. Yeah. I, I'd like to read a finished version myself. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like being in the writer's room in right away? I'm trying to put myself in that chair in that time constraint. Do you have any room for anything else in your mind, but the writing are you sweating? It's like driving at rush hour on an interstate in a city that you don't know. And you just have to keep up with the traffic. That sounds terrifying. Well, right away is a lot more fun than driving in right? rush hour on an interstate. <laughs> but but there, there's that feeling of fear. 
or at least for me, I don't drive that often. So when I do, it's a big deal. <laughs> oh, I get it. Yes. Uh, um, Heather, how would you describe your experience with Right Away? Yeah, I find it very exciting as well. Similar to what Arlene was talking about. There's this, this feeling where you just, you have to get started and keep writing. You try to just never take your fingers off the keyboard if you can. I find often that you kind of surprise yourself because as you're going along, you don't quite know how things are going. And I personally usually tend to be very much of a plotter with outlines and things like that. So having to put all that aside and just write is really exciting, and really fun. And then at the end, uh, I, I imagine, do you step back and go, whoa? Yes. <laughs> go, give me give me a drink. <laughs> Heather, I was uh, watching one of the rightaways and I was so impressed with your play and it was about a superhero that was graduating yes. and there uh, was oh what a uh, great premise oh it gets better i think it was a she was going to walk across the stage in the ceremony and but part of that walk across the stage was they would gain powers and then they would also sometimes flip and go from hero to supervillain and the, the person who was graduating was like, I have too many skeletons in the closet. I, I'm not going to go across the stage because I don't know what's going to become of me. And I don't want to become a supervillain. And that premise was so good. Can you talk a little bit about, Heather, how you came up with that and just that whole experience? Thank you. Yeah. I think I, I asked for the suggestion of what's an um, important event in someone's life. And I got graduation. And that's something that's certainly close in my world currently. <laughs> I wanted to try and remove it a little bit from exact reality because I, I tend to enjoy writing more magical realism things. And superheroes in general are a big theme that just runs through my brain. And I really enjoy the metaphors that they can bring for real life. I didn't plan it all out as it was happening and I didn't fully know what it was, but in fact, now that I think about it, I'm not sure I knew there were superheroes involved when I wrote the first five lines. When I go back and read some of the scripts, the first little bit is always quite vague and then it starts getting specific as the lines go on. Superheroes is one of those automatic things my brain likes to go to. So that became what it was about. And then it was just a matter of accepting whatever offer my brain had just given me and trying to build on it and make it more exciting and have it give it whatever meaning it was going to have. Usually I never quite find a meaning before I start writing in these right away things. And then as it goes on, I find what I think I might be getting to and try to play into that more and more. Okay, so quick aside, the right away that we're talking about here streamed live May 25th, 2020. And just before Heather's play debuted, Ken talked about what the writers had to include in each of their plays based on audience suggestions. The first suggestion was a line of dialogue, and the line of dialogue was, that's not a statue, it's someone else. Then the next suggestion was to use a pumpkin as a metaphor. And then the next suggestion was a stage direction, someone throws something. And then the final surprise suggestion was the line of dialogue, ask the sriracha. And with just 45 minutes, Heather nails it. She's got the statue. Wait, what's that? Is that a statue of... That's not a statue, it's someone else. She's got the pumpkin. He was the Cinderella to my pumpkin carriage. Someone throws something. Jamie removes her graduation cap and throws it at the ground. I won't do it. And then 
there's the sriracha. Pass the sriracha. That's what you said to me during lunch on your first day. I really liked what Heather had to say about accepting whatever offer her mind came up with. And I wanted to know more about how she managed self-doubt. Where do you think that self-auditor comes from? Can you describe further what you mean by self-auditor? So when we have more time to write, there's this voice or other presence. It's like, no, let's no, delete that. Or no, not that. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Where, where does that come from? I think it is a large combination of, depending on what exactly it's auditing, sometimes personal insecurities or ideas about the world that people either are going to like or aren't going to like. Um, and I'm interested in some of these theories about free will and things where like you, you don't control what pops into your head. And those ones, especially the first ones are often not quite your own. There's stuff from society and stuff from your friends that pops into your head first. So I think if you're going through your writing and those initial judgments are probably not entirely your own, you have to try and sift through them and find what you want to take and what you want to leave. Arlene? Yeah, to reverse engineer that a little bit, I think it's partly about expectations. When we do right away, everybody knows we have 45 minutes to write these. So the expectation is lower. You know, it's like going to a reading where you know the actors just got the script that day versus going to a full production. You just have different expectations. That first burst of creativity is a lot of fun, but you also know it's not going to win a Pulitzer. <laughs> What's interesting to me is, as you both know, that critic in the head is there when you're improvising as well. But one of the first things that, that you learn when you're learning to improvise a, a play is say the first thing that comes into your head, be spontaneous. What do you think about the value of that in that? As writers, you both know that the first thing that comes to your head, it's probably, I don't want to say someone else's idea, but it's probably a, what would you describe it as? Heather, you were talking about that. Yeah, I didn't quite mean the the first idea that you think to write. I think your first creative impulse is very much your own and you probably want to act on that. The first judgment that then thinks about that impulse is probably what you want to ignore especially in right away or in improvisation, that first creative impulse is definitely the one you want to act on most of the time. Arlene? Well, one of the things I love so much about improv was how busy it would keep my brain. So I had no time to really think. The more restrictions I have, the better I am. Because uh, as I say, my playwriting classes, you know, if you've got a, a wide river, the water's kind of smooth. But the more you restrict that water or put rocks and things in its way is the more exciting it gets. So, so if I had to improvise a scene in rhyme diambic pentameter with each line starting with the next letter of the alphabet and somehow it has to end up being about cats, my brain is so busy that there is no time to listen to anything else. And, and that's just a thrill. And that's when I would do my best work. I had kind of a, a improv partner and we, we would rehearse a lot. And of course, in improv, you're rehearsing the process, not the product. We got very good at backward scenes, which are really hard to do. Each line precedes the line before. So the, the busier my brain, the less I'm judging and the more exciting it gets for me. And also, you're going deep in your mind, in your creative mind. And without that judgment, you're going to come up with some really wonderful, crazy ideas that you would never have thought of otherwise. Yes, I've heard other improvisers say that overthinking slows everything down and it 
just stops the flow. So in that moment where you are riding away, there's no room to overthink. It's kind of the the brain's version of a runner's high. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Heather, I was thinking about your story with the hero that's graduating. And I love that concept. It's so great. It's the hero's story is such a classic story, but but Heather just looked at it through another lens. I love that. And then I was thinking, I've never looked at Winnie the Pooh before through the lens of a group of heroes, an ensemble of heroes. So if you looked at Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> who would be the lead hero there? I'm going to have to go now and get back to writing this play. You're just getting <laughs> an idea. <laughs> and, and, and Eeyore, and then would Christopher Robin then be in the role of the mentor? Or what do you think? Am I crazy? No, I'm, I'm taking notes. <laughs> I, I'm loving it all. Just keep talking. <laughs> I feel like part of the beauty of Winnie the Pooh is that each character is the hero of their version of the tale. Each one of them represents someone who exists, some you know, archetypal person or personality type. And I, I stand by the idea that everyone has a story and everyone can have a story built around them. It's hard to label one of the Winnie the Pooh characters as the hero. I'm assuming here that you will both continue to partake in right away. Absolutely. Whenever, whenever they ask me. Okay. With that experience, then can you speak to someone who is starting as an improviser for the first time? What advice would you, would you give them? Well, improv changed my life. It really changed my worldview. If you walk through the world going, yes, and it's a different world. And it's not that you have to agree with everything, but if you start seeing everything as an offer and acknowledging that an offer has been made, whether you accept it or not, um, the world is a different place. I, I think if everybody in government took improv for a couple of years, they would be different people. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Heather, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I have a slightly more limited personal connection to actually improvising. For a very long time, it was something I was afraid to do. I was an actor. I loved acting. I loved theater. I loved everything about it. And then it came to improvisation. And I was like, that is scary. I want a script. No, thank you. In addition to that, for my entire life, basically, I've been a rather shy and quiet person. Uh, lots of social anxiety and things like that. But I think leaning into the philosophy of improvisation and even just taking that class and letting yourself do crazy things and just say the world is a playground and you can do anything if you just accept offers and be spontaneous and make your partners and your friends and everyone around you look good. Yeah, make your partner look good. If everybody in the world was trying to make each other look good. Yeah. Wow. How great would that be? Yeah, it's definitely impacted my writing because it is, it's so freeing to just get your first draft out in the realm of spontaneity. It, it certainly helps with acting too and just living as a human being in the world. It really does change your perspective. Yes, you're both very right. It's just so, so much better for any art that you pursue and then also it, with all of your relationships. So if a writer wanted to get in on right away, what are some top tips that you would give a writer who had no idea what they were getting into? 
have fun. I think that's the main thing. If you just let yourself have fun, then it's just a blast. And even if you write a terrible play, which as far as I've experienced, no one ever has yet. <laughs> like there's this theory where if you just decide to let yourself fail, you will far more easily succeed. And I think that's the spirit around right away where no matter what anyone writes, we are going to celebrate each other and love it and have a great time. And if you just write with that in mind, you'll probably write a good play. It's a very warm and welcoming atmosphere, right? Yeah. Everyone works to make sure that it's positive, it's fun. What else would you say about that? It's not competitive. It's it's a community. You're you're working with other playwrights, and you're one of the fun things is reading each other's work. You don't just get to be a playwright. You you also get to be an actor, and and that's a lot of fun too. Where do you hope, or where do you see it going in the future? I've only done it twice, so I don't know. I just hope it keeps going. Um, I would love one day to get the team together and be able to do it in person. Oh yeah. Um, it, it is a splendid experience already, but I can only imagine if we really were all in a room together while we were writing our plays, it would just be that much cooler. And then really being able to get up on a stage with them printed out in our hands and act together, that would be thrilling. Yes, yeah. I agree. So did you bring a favorite poem? Arlene says she has one memorized by Emily Dickinson. Would you like to share it? Sure. It's one that people know well. I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? Then there's a pair of us. Don't tell. They'd banish us, you know. How dreary to be someone. How public like a frog to say your name the live long day to an admiring bog. Heather, did you bring one? Yes. I also brought an Emily Dickinson poem. I recently found her poem, Hope is the Thing with Feathers. <gasps> oh, yeah. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. So I have a little, a challenge for you, a structure to make your rivers flow fast. Oh, no. And that, and that is, oh, you're gonna love it. Haiku poetry is five syllables, three lines, five syllables, seven syllables, and five syllables. So my challenge to you is take a couple minutes and take your poem that you both brought and make a haiku out of it. Ready, set, go. And as Arlene and Heather work their creative magic, I can tell you how you can join the audience of a right away. Just go to freestylerep.org to register. The event is free and right now via Zoom, and they do limit the number of participants. Again, that's freestylerep.org. And while you're there, you should check out the awesome programs and people at Freestyle Repertory Theater. Okay, let's get back to Heather and Arlene. Arlene, want to go first? I am nobody. Are you also nobody? What a pair we are. Love it. Heather? Hope, the feathered bird, so sweet, yet some would stifle. It will still go on. Oh, she's good. You both are so good. Emily Dickinson, she has such empathy in her writing, don't you think? Mm -hmm. And uh, Heather, I went online and 
I saw that you have a website and on the website, you were talking about the importance of bringing empathy to the characters that you play. Yeah. And I thought that was really beautiful. And that, that is something that I would like to touch on in closing the importance of empathy in your writing and how you can bring more empathy into improvising. Heather, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. I think especially over the last few years, I have come to realize that empathy is the primary center of my philosophy about everything. And art is so valuable in that it it produces empathy, especially theater. The very idea of acting is to feel how another person feels and live their life and share it with others so that they can do the same. So for me, writing is the way to do that for the world. And I think to to write authentically is to really feel empathy for your characters and create them as real as a person as they can be so that other very real people who then watch them can relate to that and feel things from that. You have to do the same thing as an improviser and more of it all at the same time because you are writing and acting all in the same moment. If you think about just how you can connect to what your character wants and who your character is and how they feel, that should be the primary motivation for everything. Yes. Wonderful. Arlene? Well, I think the only way to understand other people is to hear their stories. Yeah. And I think sharing our stories is one of the most important things we can do. I think it's a way for us to learn how to walk in somebody else's shoes. And theater is a great way to share stories. I'm thinking about the the self-auditor. And I think what it does is that it, it stops our empathy for ourselves and for our characters. It's like an empathy blocker. That's a really good point. I was talking to a playwright the other day, uh, a guy, and he said, yeah, I'm just really hustling right now. I'm getting on the phone. I'm calling theaters. I'm hustling. And I'm thinking... I never hustle and I wish I could hustle. And I think it's a gender thing. And I think, I think as women, we are more fearful to be judged and telling our stories because we've been repressed for so long. And so I want to hustle more. I I agree. I love that. Kids find it easier to live by the three rules of improv in my experience, which are be spontaneous, make your partner look good, build on your partner's ideas. Um, And I'm so, so happy that I have found them again. I had the joy of being in Florida this winter and spending some time with my cousin and her first grade daughter. And I don't get to spend a lot of time around children. And so uh, it was so much fun playing with her because I was just doing improv. I was just yes anding everything. She was saying, this box is a spaceship. And I was going, yes, and who am I? And she'd go, and you're, you're gonna do the countdown. And I go, yes, Houston, Houston, you know. And so everything she said, I just said, yes, and. And she thought I was the greatest playmate ever. And we played for hours. And it was just so much fun. I've been lucky enough in my life, for whatever reason, I have always, looked at the world through this aura of play. And maybe it was because I I was an only child. I spent a lot of time alone and all those kind of things. But I was also just an introvert and I enjoyed that. And I think part of the reason I enjoyed it is because I played make-believe all the time. And yeah, it's just part of bringing improv into regular life and just playing with the world. It's a thrill. And it feels right. It feels like this is the way you're supposed to live your life. You're supposed to have fun. You're supposed to be creative. 
and you're supposed to make your communities better. And one, th one thing I want to say about right away is it really saved me in 2020. I had COVID. I was on oxygen for a couple of weeks. It was really bad. It was very early on. Uh, I was in the ER with people lined up in the hallway. I mean, it was every nightmare you can imagine. And coming out of that, I didn't know what I wanted to write. I didn't have the energy to write. And so writing short plays, going back to the short form was really helpful to me. I'm so, so happy that you're here. <laughs> Me too. I'm so, so, so happy. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else you guys want to include before we wrap up where people can find you and your work, if you'd like? Sure. I'm on the New Play Exchange. My website's down right now, but hopefully that'll be up soon, uh, arlenehutton.com. But if you want to see, actually in California or anywhere, if you want to see Sea Rock City, the play is available on digitaltheater.com. It's a streaming production that Rubicon Theater recorded about three or four years ago. Digitaltheater.com is a British company that has a lot of theater online. Ooh, I will definitely check it out. Heather? Yeah, I, I am also on the New Play Exchange. My website is heather-adams.com. Uh, and my main thing right now, um, I am the founder and executive director of AU Quills and Capes, which is the student organization on American University's campus that devotes itself to promoting, producing, and overall helping student playwrights create new work. So that is where most of my energy, other than actual writing, is being devoted to. We have been doing plays online from various student writers, a couple including myself. So if you search AU Quills and Capes online, it should come up. We're on YouTube. You can find all of the stuff that we've streamed over the past year. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. Excellent. Is there anything else that you guys would like to talk about or say? I just wanted to say to Heather, good for you for for working on that organization and, and making it happen. I, I started writing. I was in my 30s when I started writing because when I was in college, we had never heard of a woman playwright at my school. I mean, certainly Beth Henley and Tina Howe and Wendy Wasserstein and Paula Vogel, they were all writing, but we didn't study them. We didn't produce their works. And it never occurred to me to be a playwright when I was in college. And if I had been, if there had been a group like what you're talking about, I would have discovered it much earlier. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That's definitely part of our goal. There's a, there's an exciting theater department at my school, but there's one playwriting class and the curriculum of it is very loose, just depending on what professor happens to be teaching it that year. There was very little student playwriting, but so many students who had play ideas. So it has been very exciting to see a conversation about that start on campus. Well, if uh, you ever want me to do a Zoom 90 minute, two hour workshop with your playwriting friends, let me know. Thank you so much. I will definitely contact you about that. <laughs> I, I would do that for you for nothing. So thank you so much. I admire you both so much. Thank you for being here. You both inspire me. You're incredibly hard workers. And I see that. Please don't stop. Please keep going. And I will be following your, your progress. I'm so excited. And thank you so much for putting this together. This has been awesome. And that's our show. If you think improv sounds like fun, it is. If you think you'd like to try improv, it's easy. Just go to SynergyTheater.com and click on School of Improv. Synergy Theater offers beginner, advanced, and master classes. Synergy Theater is also on Facebook. Please rate, review, and follow this podcast. Your support makes a difference. 
Synergy Theater is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit that depends on the participation of current and future star supporters and improvisers like you. Thank you.